Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with the Intelligent Enterprise, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Well, I usually find a quote from Harvard Business Review or CIO.com, but this time, because it's a very, very specific topic, a little on the technical side, I want to make sure we have a good definition. So I have a definition from Wikipedia. Let me read it to you. A data swamp, if you're not used to the term, listen up, is a deteriorated data lake that is either inaccessible to its intended users or is providing little value. All I'm going to say is tsk, tsk, tsk. What in the world are we talking about? Well, back in the day, and that's probably a couple of decades ago, many businesses created a place to acquire their data, to store it. Then they needed to manage it. Then they needed to get at it, access it. Data in its raw native format, nothing fancy schmancy, nothing cleaned. And they created something called a data lake, L-A-K-E, just a big lake, and they poured the data into it. Picture it just the way it sounds. But soon... A lot of data. We know about big data. We know about volumes and velocity of data. Well, one lake became two lakes and became four lakes and many, many, many lakes. So welcome to the age of, you know where I'm going with this, the information swamp. Now I'll give you another definition. It's an unmanageable architecture of costly, complex data lakes. OMG. So the question on the table today or the question at the side of the pool is, are you sinking or swimming in your data lake slash, slash swamp. We have a panel who's going to help us figure this out. They're going to share insights on how to turn your data into the new oil. That has been debated because some people say oil is something you use once and then mostly just throw it away, whereas data keeps on giving and giving and giving. We all know that. So we'll talk about that too. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to one of our newest series here. By the way, most of our Game Changers series air on the Business Channel on World Talk Radio. That's voiceamerica.com. But we are de- debuted this series a couple of weeks ago here on the Influencers Channel. So if you're new to Game Changers Radio, go check out. We have 39 other series on the Business Channel here at Voice America. And welcome. So let me tell you who my three panelists are, just their name, their title, and their organization, and then we'll get started. First up in a moment, we'll be speaking with Fiona Critchley. She is Capgemini's UK Insight and Data CT. Chief Technology Officer, and she'll tell us all about what she does. Joining her on the panel is Harpreet Singh, Senior Manager at Deloitte. Shout out to Carla Neal and Helen Thomas and all our good friends at Deloitte. And rounding out the panelists, Tina Rosario, Head of Data Transformation and the Chief Data Officer. That's a fairly new title at SAP EMEA. So welcome. And all three are newcomers to Game Changers Radio. So welcome to my panel. Let's start out with an inspirational quote from Fiona Critchley. She has picked a quote from John F. Kennedy. JFK gave this in a speech at Rice Stadium in Houston, Texas on September 12, 1962. 
1982. Uh, he characterized space as a new frontier. Let me just read the quote and we'll figure it out with Fiona. He said, we chose, we choose rather to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Fiona Critchley, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for joining me. Love the quote from JFK. Haven't heard this one in a while. We're talking about data. Data, 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 data. Data in lakes, data in swamps. How can you relate this quote about going to the moon to our topic today? Fiona, go ahead. Um, I think for me, um, we've been, uh, I think for years, decades before we went to the moon, we were looking at the moon and gazing at it in hope that we would reach it one day. And uh, I suppose being a little bit cheeky, I, I think we've been looking at data and data quality and data orchestration in the same way. We understand the importance. It seems like an aspiration. It seems as hard as getting to the moon. Um, and it's something that we need to do. And it's uh, a challenge that we've got to face. Um, I think on the other side, I love hard problems. I'm always in search of hard problems. And I think it was inevitable that I would end up um, with data and uh, the data swamp at the heart of what I do in my work today. So, um, and I think the final part is, you know, we're going to get there in this decade. And I think we are. That's what we need to do. We need to drain that swamp and turn our data into an asset. Fiona, let me ask you something. Do do most companies know when they have a data swamp instead of a couple of discrete, well-organized data lakes? Is this something that, let's say this is something that keeps a chief technology CTO officer awake at night? Oh, my goodness. Yesterday we had three wonderful data lakes and now we've got this huge swamp. Is this something that they're actually aware of or does it just spiral or flow out of control? When do we know it's a swamp? Um, I, th- I think it's a challenge. So um, my mentality is very ordered, very structured. And um, what strikes me is a, an episode of Big Bang when Sheldon is desperately tidying up everyone's closets. And I think I have a need as, a, as an architect uh, with an obsession for data to say we need to get the data straight, we need to get it right. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if the quality of the data I have in a data lake meets my business value proposition and I'm achieving the outcomes I need as an organization, does it matter if it's a swamp or not? So I think that the challenge is more that as organizations mature, as we move into the world of AI, cognitive processing, the, the need for um, quality data and higher um, levels of maintenance, control, metadata, and value go up as the business value propositions change. So I think there's a, we're on a cusp where potentially the lakes we've constructed in silos today meet the business value propositions of today, but won't necessarily meet the value propositions of tomorrow. Thank you very much. Great introduction to our topic, Fiona, and we are going to hear a lot more from you and find out what your role is as CTO in a little while. Now let's move slightly around the table to Harpreet Singh at Deloitte. And Harpreet has sent us a wonderful quote from a young lady named Malala Yousafzai. I'm going to pronounce it that way, and you can correct me if you need to, Harpreet, in a moment. She was the Nobel Prize winner, and this was in a speech she gave at Harvard in September 2013. She's a Pakistani activist for female education and the youngest Nobel Prize laureate known for human rights advocacy, and we'll just leave it at that. She has also been called the most prominent prominent citizen of Pakistan by Pakistani Prime Minister Shahid Kagan Abbasi. Very interesting. Here's the quote. Let us make our future now, and let us make our dreams 
Tomorrow's Reality. What a beautiful quote. Harpreet Singh, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm doing very well. Talk to me about the quote. How did you pick it? We, we love this quote from Malala. We hear it once in a while on Game Changers. And it's just coming from somebody so young who, who stepped outside of a comfort zone to do so much for so many people and make a stand for human rights. It's just a, a lovely way to, to talk about the future. So tell me how it relates to our topic, data swamp, data lake. What have we got? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, well, Malala has been an inspiration for the whole world. I just love this quote of hers. And uh, while I was preparing for the topic, I could relate to so many things that, that gets linked to this very quote. I, I feel data is a very powerful source that can be led that can lead to amazingly successful results in businesses running around the world. But if not nurtured in the right fashion, the results can be equally detrimental. We as data stewards, um, data facilitators, data providers, we have this responsibility to set a platform of information to sit, grow, and reap those benefits uh, for the firm as a whole. And that exactly is where I feel this quote fits well. We need to reimagine our future of data augmentation, our dreams of information availability, being accurate and at the same time faster than it has ever been. And that's tomorrow's reality, I feel. And that's why I feel this quote is very linked to data and this topic. Thank you. Thank you very much, Harpreet. Same question for you. Is this something that's keeping CTOs and others in the C-suite awake at night? Are they waking up and saying, Wow, I went to bed yesterday and it was a lake. I woke up this morning and I'm afraid if I peek, it's a swamp and we can't figure anything out anymore. We can't find anything. Is this the way they see it? Um, you know what, Bonnie? I feel this um, This is not an overnight uh, change that happens. It, it This slowly creeps in. Um, mm-hmm. Usually when the projects are started, they start with all good intentions. They start with building a data lake, of course, not an information swamp. But as the time progresses, as the data grows, um, the the whole idea of having a strong data governance and uh, having the metadata management capabilities embedded into the data lake, that takes a backseat. And that's how kind of I feel every organization have this challenge where data lake slowly becomes an inf- information swamp, a data swamp. And, and this is what, what I feel. I don't think it would keep uh, CTOs up at night um, just overnight. It, it happens with time. It's probably like weight gain, right? You wake up one day and you say, yeah. what happened? Was it those box of chocolates? Was it the, the extra dressing at Thanksgiving? That's not what yeah. I thought it was. Yesterday, was it yet? No, it was months ago. Yes. So so mm-hmm. you're saying it, it, it doesn't even really sneak up. It's just happening on a slow basis. And maybe there isn't an awareness. Very. I think it's a very interesting question. Thank you, Harpreet, so much. And let's turn to Tina Rosario. We have a lot of questions to answer here on today's show. Tina at SAP. And Tina has selected a quote from John 
Ernst Steinbeck. Let me give you a little background here. John Ernst Steinbeck, Jr., 1902 to 1968, American author and another Nobel Prize laureate, won the 1962 Nobel Prize in Literature, quote, for his realistic and imaginative writings, combining as they do sympathetic humor and keen social perception. He's been called a giant of American letters, and many of his works are considered classics of Western literature. He authored 27 books, including 16 novels. His most famous novels, well, the comic novel Tortilla Flat in 1935 and Cannery Row in 45. He wrote the multi-generation epic East of Eden in 1952 and the novella of Mice and Men in 1937 and won the Pulitzer Prize for the Grapes of Wrath in 39. He sold over 14 million copies in its first 75, first 14 years, first 75 years after it was published. So very much established American icon of literature. And here's the quote Tina selected, and you're all going to be very surprised by this quote. Quote from John Steinbeck. Ideas are like rabbits. You get a couple and learn how to handle them, and pretty soon you have a dozen. Tina, I, I can't believe this is a John Steinbeck quote. We love humor in our quotes. How are you, Tina Rosario? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, I, I loved the humor here, too. I thought it was a good message. So tell me, what are these are the lakes the rabbits that are turning into a dozen? Let's do the yeah. uh, draw the breadcrumbs, the yeah. coffee. Yes. I, I mean, I think that um, more ideas, it's a little bit like data, the proliferation of data into these data lakes that you really need to understand how to handle them, right? And that uh, you need to understand what the business value is, what the objectives are, but pretty soon they'll just multiply and multiply and you'll end up with a tremendous amount of data into a data ocean, right? Uh, Swampy or not, right? I think these days... Volume and bigger is better. Is this something that volume and bigger is better? Is this something that companies are proud of, Tina? Do they say, well, we started out with a little lake and now we've got an ocean and we know where everything is. We know where the boats are docked and we know where the fish are swimming and we know when the the waves are coming. Is is this something that if it's an ocean, can it be well organized or is it really a swamp pretending to be an ocean? What do you think? Um, I think there are oceans out there, particularly in the areas of marketing, where it has been more of a hoarding mentality, more, Mm -hmm. more, more, I need more information, I need more data, I need more leads, I need more prospects, I need more information about my customers, um, and that has become very uh, consuming into kind of an ocean style of an architecture. I think, though, when, it, when you start to look at what data is really valuable and needed, then it becomes more of the concept of a data lake that can be managed, that can be used for business intelligence, for business operations. Um, so it, uh, I think it has been more of a mentality and a, and a behavior of more is more. But I think now that we look to uh, the costs associated with that data, and we look to the real value of that data, it is becoming more manageable and into more of a, a lake environment. Ah, so we're going back to the lake environment. I like that. Thank you very much, Tina. We have a lot more to hear from you. Let's go around the table to Fiona Critchley. Fiona, three questions. I told you about this on our prep call. Number one, where in the world are you today? Number two, 
What's your favorite drink that powers you and makes you so interested in what's happening with data, which I know has been your passion for so many years? And number three, what is your role? What do you do as Capgemini's UK Insight and Data CTO? Fiona, go ahead. Hi, um, I'm in London today. Um, I think you said you wanted our answers to uh, reflect our personalities, so you told me not to say I had a, a cold cup of coffee in front of me, but that is That's exactly right. what I have in front of me at the moment. Um, I think I think one of my passions, and it will in a roundabout way get back to where we are, is I think uh, you want to try and do something once and achieve three outcomes. And in data quality, data management, and data value, you don't do it for the sake of it, you do it for the outcomes. So mm. um, I, I fly home to Australia every year and I pay for a, an upgrade to first class on the way back because it's relatively cheap in comparison. Um, and why do I do it? I do it because I get a comfortable flight. I'm fresh for work because I'm a complete workaholic. Um, but I also get to in, in, embrace my passion, which is drinking Dom Perignon. And I've worked out that if I drink enough Dom Perignon and eat enough caviar on the plate, <laughs> I'll have got the upgrade for free. <laughs> just let, let, let me let me enjoy that for a moment Fiona what great delivery you have I didn't see that coming I really didn't what a great setup that would be for comedy on a stage I think you I think you have an act to take on the road or maybe on the plane I think that's a really good thing thank you love it and now what do you do what is a CTO today well um for me, I always say it's it's, um, it's like the coolest job in the world because I'm allowed to indulge my passion, which is understanding the market trends, understanding technology, understanding what organizations are, are demanding to fulfill their value propositions and the next step in their evolution. Um, so it's a, it's a wonderful combination of uh, technology and being a real geek, um, but also as part of that role, it's CTO and, and go-to-market offers. So... Um, how do we how do we leverage technology to achieve business outcomes? And obviously, in the current data age, more and more my role becomes around data orchestration and value of data and achieving outcomes from the data lake. Let me ask you a question: Is a CTO a, a role that is recent? Is it something that? Forgive me for this. A lot of women CTOs. Is it something that is uh, part of the STEM movement? The girls, if you study all the STEM, science, and math, and you can grow up to be a CTO. Is there anything there that we need to talk about for a second? Um, well, I think for me what's interesting is um, when I was at school, I think the uh, BBC Basic came out and the first computer club was formed at school when I was 13. And I was talking to one of your colleagues earlier today, and I couldn't join the computer club because girls weren't allowed to do computing. Oh. So... Um, <laughs> Oh. which I, I think for me is a, an interesting arc to have started off um, at school at 13 being excluded and now as I, I get to the older years of my career, I'm Chief Technical Officer. Um, I think it's a role that's been around for a while, I think it's, but I think we now live in an age where there's nothing that, that uh, uh, women can't do um, and I am probably, as I describe my role to my friends, um, I am the uh, chief nerd amongst nerds um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> out-nerd all the boys that I work with and they're really pleased to have someone as nerdy as me to, uh, to help them. 
Oh my, I, I don't know why I asked that question, but it just, it just was on my mind. Um, Fiona, when I got my graduate degree, which actually was after I got a bachelor's, I went to a community college and took a, a double major two-year course in computer programming and computer operations. This was back in the late 70s. And I took a business statistics class. And I was one of the very, very few women in the class. And the men were very annoyed with me because I knew enough about math to work out all of the problems and all of the stats with a pencil on a piece of paper. And they were all, this was before cell phones with calculators. I'm sorry to say that. And they were all using, I think, slide rules were allowed. They're sitting there moving their little things around. And I'm just coming, I aced the class, every homework assignment, every test, every answer in class. And they were really annoyed because you know why. Because I was a woman in tech before it was okay, before it was fashionable. But they did allow us to take those classes, Fiona. I want you to know that. I didn't have to yeah. break down the door. And in my computer programming class, I'd say about 50% of us were females looking for different careers. We had people who were no longer interested in pursuing their career in law, in medicine, in architecture. It was like the dropout thing to do was go learn computers mm-hmm. in the late 70s. And uh, so I had a lot of women in my classes, but I just ad- adored coding and discovering answers through code. It was it was fascinating. So bravo to you, nerd among nerd, geek among geeks, you go. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Sorry to the rest of the panel, a little sidebar there, but we are very human here on Game Changers Radio, and this is the Influencers Channel, so we're hoping to influence some people. There you go. Thank you, Fiona. Harpreet Singh, love to get to know you. Number one, where in the world are you today? Number two, What's your favorite drink that powers you? And number three, what is your role as a senior manager at Deloitte? Thanks, Bonnie. So I'm right now in the beautiful city of Bridges, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, this is the home of Pittsburgh Penguins and Sealers. For those in sports, they know how much passion Pittsburghies have there for football and hockey teams. Um, so love, love being here. Um, this is uh, where my home is as well. Um, and what am I having? You know what, Bonnie, this is one of those Mondays, rare Mondays. Mm-hmm. But I'm not traveling. Um, and this is the, the biggest advantage I always find when I'm not traveling is that I get this amazingly freshly squeezed fruits and vegetables smoothie uh, that my wife mm. makes for me. Mm-hmm. Um, had you given me more time, I could give you the full recipe of this drink. But quickly <laughs> sharing, it's it's like rich content of cucumbers, oranges, honey, herbal supplements, and some whole milk all mixed together and just that one surreal experience to have one cup of life charges me up for the whole day. That's what I'm having right now. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. What's your favorite fruit or vegetable that goes in it that really gives it the flavor that you love, Harpreet? I think the oranges really gives it a kick. That's, Ooh. that's the one which I like among Interesting. I didn't expect that at all. Thank you very much. And what do you do? Yeah, so as a senior manager here, I, I live and breathe data. Um, mm-hmm. Some of those who are really close clients of mine, they, they, they see when they see me in action, they call me Dr. Data. Um, and I like, I, I take this with all the pride um, in the work I do. I lead the Center of uh, Excellence team, Data COE, at Deloitte's SAP service line. I help my clients um, kind of improve their operational efficiencies through deployment of different data management solutions. Um, on different uh, strategic business initiatives that they do. 
developing strategies on master data management approaches, detailed plans. Um, that's what I've been doing um, at this on this role. Thank you very much. Very interesting. As I told you on our prep call a little while ago, I have to do a shout out to Carla Neal and her colleagues at Deloitte who always send us such interesting thought leaders for Game Changers yeah. Radio. So it's real pleasure to meet you. Dr. Data, seriously, do you love the name? Oh, I love it. I love it. And usually many of my clients and their counterparts, they would they, they say that we love to be your nurse. <laughs> so that even is better to be a doctor and a nurse together, solving all the data quality issues around. Very interesting. Thank you. I've never heard that before. So we have a, Fiona, you're, what are you, the, the geek among geeks or the nerd, the nerd of nerds? And, and Harpreet is, is Dr. Data. Very interesting. I'm, I'm, I now I know why Cecilia Morton picked this panel. We've, we've got some very, very, uh, professional people here. <laughs> Tina Rosario, it's your turn to tell us a little bit about yourself. Number one, where are you today and where are you based? I know that's an interesting story. Number two, what's your favorite drink that powers you and we can take a recipe if you want and number three your role as cdo chief data officer of sap emeo what do you do tina yep um i'm in paris france and just saying that makes me smile i'm looking out the window in our lovely office here at the eiffel tower and it's amazing to be in the city of lights and i've been here for three years transplanted from the u.s uh, because we wanted to try the European quality of life, and it's been fabulous. Um, and being French and all things French, I've come to appreciate the cafe culture that we have around Paris and in many of the villages here, and that means afternoons with a glass of rosé. So that's my, my passion is mm. taking a nice break after work with colleagues, customers, friends, family, and enjoying a nice cold glass of rosé on a summer day. And it's October, as you know, and it's unbelievably warm here. The sun is shining, and so it just makes me want to jump outside and and have a glass of rosé with some good conversation. Tina, do you have a favorite brand you'd like to recommend to us or to anybody traveling in Paris? Um, I really like anything from Laurent Perrier, so anything that's uh, Provençal. Um, And it's interesting because they make rosé wine from various grape varietals. Um, So you can get a rosé that's made from a Bordeaux grape or a Cabernet Franc grape or a Cabernet Sauvignon grape. Um, So look for that, too. If you like a particular red wine, just drop it down a notch and have that uh, a little bit lighter for the summertime. And I'm looking here, Laurent Perrier, anybody looking, it's L-A-U-R-E-N-T hyphen Perrier, P-E-R-R-I-E-R. I'm looking at the Brut Rosé advertisements here on Wikipedia. It's uh, it's a very high-end wine, I can tell from the prices. And you can also go to Wine Library, uh, GaryVsWineLibrary.com, and take a look at Laurent, Laurent Perrier Brut Rosé. Okay, thank you very much. And Tina, what does a CDO do? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I have the pleasure. This is a brand new role for, for, uh, for our company, and I see more and more and more CDOs cropping up out there. We're actually starting to have CDO forums for us to get together and talk about our roles because it's so new and so needed. Um, it's, uh, for me, I engage with customers to help them navigate the complex waters of, of data whether it be in a lake, in an ocean, or a pond. 
Um, and many times I'm asked to help them orchestrate uh, what are the operations and the capabilities that they need in order to, for their companies to take advantage of data as an asset. Um, I can do this because I myself spent six years here at SAP as their own internal data management head, and so I spent a lot of time and effort building up SAP's capabilities for data management, Mm -hmm. and so I have the thick skin and uh, the battle scars to show for that, and so I bring a practitioner approach, which is often very welcomed. Um, and I'm very frank about, you know, what the capabilities are and, uh, and help companies understand how mature are they and, uh, and where is it that they need to go. And then together we help, them, uh, we help them to improve and help them along the path. Thank you very much, Tina. Pleasure to meet you. And let me just tell everybody that I am based in Durham, North Carolina. Moved here a little over one year ago from Long Island, New York. Quite a culture change, if I can just say that. And they do not, they, the corporate, they do not allow me to have caffeine on radio show days. Surprise, surprise, right, Harpreet? So all I'm allowed to have is cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug. And I've got a green straw because it's late October, mid-October here. Why am I rushing the year? It's already flying by. I have a green straw because there's so much greenery still here. We are seeing a few brown and orange colored leaves dropping off of some of the trees here in Durham and we did not get impacted by Hurricane Michael and we were bypassed by Hurricane Florence. They're coming closer and closer together. Bad weather but we didn't get any real impact here. So the green is because it's still beautiful and green in my garden in the front yard as I look out of my home office window. So I'm Bonnie T. Graham. This is Changing the Game with the Intelligent Enterprise Radio speaking today with Fiona Critchley at Capgemini, Harp Preet Singh at Deloitte, Tina Rosario at SAP. We're going to take a very, very, very brief break, 90 seconds. Count them along with us, and we'll be right back with a lot more. Very interesting topic. It impacts your company, maybe not right today. Maybe it did yesterday, and we are pretty sure it probably will tomorrow at some point. Sink or swim, draining the information swamp. How's that data lake doing for you? We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Aaron out. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Business is at a technological crossroads. The future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated, ongoing change. Many companies have been slow to adopt new technologies and capabilities. This is resulting in these organizations falling behind and delivering what their customers need. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the intelligent enterprise can change businesses and lead to a better future for everyone. Changing the game with the intelligent enterprise is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You're listening to Changing the Game with the Intelligent Enterprise, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. 
And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to changing the game with the intelligent enterprise. Welcome back. We're speaking today with Fiona Critchley, a Cap Gemini, Harpreet Singh at Deloitte, and Tina Rosario at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. Our topic today, very interesting one, sink or swim, draining the information swamp. And we have a question mark after that because do you even know if you have a data swamp and how in the world do you drain it? That's why we have our three experts on the panel. We're going to start the roundtable in earnest, as my late beautiful mother used to say. She used to say to me, is he earnest or is he sincere? I once dated a man named Ernest. That was where it came from. Fiona Critchley, Capgemini, sent me the following in her notes before the show. This is a great place to start. She says, increase you. Utilization of AI, that's artificial intelligence, and cognitive computing are demanding and generating better quality data and orchestration. AI processes are improving data capture, cleansing, and orchestration. AI over a data swamp would be a concerning situation. Fiona, please tell us more, and then we'll get our two other panelists to chime in. Go ahead. Hi. Um I think for for myself, I think if you look back, you understand that historically um, you could have uh, pockets of data that were being managed and manipulated and cleansed after the event. But we're now living in a, an ever faster world, in a digital world, where you've got thousands of users accessing that same information almost real time. And so you get to a situation where the business use case and the organizations that are going to be successful in the next 10 years are going to be able to turn to real-time business decisions for driving that data quality um, to enable the AI and the cognitive computing to really enhance your business processes, your business decision-making is going to be essential. But the flip side is also really interesting. You're starting to look at the marketplace and saying, well, actually, AI is involved in the data capture. So we get to a situation where we're able to actually cleanse at source. So we may be talking about a data lake, but you could get to a point where you've got embedded AI in the data capture, within your ERP system, within your um, data scraping from the Internet. So what you're doing is from, the, from source, you're getting better data quality using AI. And at the back end, you're then able to use AI to better understand and, and drive intelligent business decisions um, out, out, of the, out of your data lake. And I think my, my sort of final thought on that one is, is that is data orchestration sort of in a hybrid multi-cloud ecosystem, will that ultimately be the replacement of your data lake, the ability mm-hmm. to have cleansed, generated data taken to the right place at the right time, so it's part of the right AI business process, really the key to uh, driving organizational change and not so much about having to have all your data stored in one place. Thank you, Fiona. Very interesting. I want to move around the table to Harpreet Singh at Deloitte. Harpreet, thoughts, agree or disagree with Fiona's POV on this one? Yeah, I think I most likely, uh, I agree with Fiona on AI is is the future. Uh, Machine learning, robotics is where we are going. Uh, With that, um, I I feel the centralized uh, data hub solution where everything, uh, all the knowledge, all the information across the enterprise has to be in one single uh, box, um, doesn't hold anymore. Uh, doesn't, it, it, it's a huge burden for uh, a data swamp to, to carry. And that's why I feel all the applications, um, all the solutions that we've got, it could be gadgets, it could be mobile devices, machines, cars, 
every device could store its own information. Um, the information itself could be decentralized as long as somehow there is a way with the AI, with the artificial intelligence, that whenever there is a need for information, you should be able to pass that on to the requesters in the right mm-hmm. fashion, in the right way, from the right source. It doesn't have to be all embedded into one box. That's what I feel. Thank you very much. Tita Rosario at SAP. Chime in, please. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I agree. I would just add that um, one of the key capabilities I see of the future is more hands-off data manipulation, that we will be able to use more algorithms, more science, more intelligence artificially um, in order to be able to process data that's required so that I, I heard on I would totally agree with the concept of we need the right data to get to the right process at the right time, that it needs to be fit for purpose. And we don't have to do that anymore with eyeballs or with teams of, you know, hundreds of people in a shared service center. We can now do that through the technologies, through AI, through ML. Um, and I think that's definitely a, more of a cost-efficient way to look at the future of data capabilities. Thank you, Tina. Fiona, I'm going to just give you a couple seconds to wrap this one up. Any comments you have on what your two esteemed co-panelists just shared on your topic? No, I mean, I, I, I think it's interesting. There seems to be resounding uh, agreement. It's, it is the right data to the right place. Um, it's using AI in both the exploitation da- of data and of the harvesting of data. And it's about having the right technology in place that allows you to share data um, across your digital platforms um, in a timely way um, as required. So I think, I think that's where we are. And, that, and that's the challenge for the next decade. Thank you. We're not doing our predictions yet, but we're already doing our predictions. There you go, because we are looking at the future on this topic. Harpreet Singh at Deloitte, I'm looking at your notes here. I just wanted to add one comment from your second point you sent me, but we're not going to talk about it. You say bad data clogs up the machinery of data management. That was very profound from Dr. Data. I just wanted to toss that in. But here's where I'd like to go, Harpreet. You say Google predicts that more than 50% of searches, information searches, are going to come in as audio images and video in the next three years so the question is how do data systems process the search for that information Harpreet why don't you take us through this what do you think yeah absolutely Bonnie so this is one of those uh, points which, which is close to my heart because I've seen this occurring especially in the consumer products industry that I've been working with um, information is no more uh, a simple query uh, structured query that you fire on a database and it come, pops up with the results saying, okay, this is the revenue of XYZ product in last two years. That, that's not how um, now the information is flowing. Information is everywhere. It's in audio images, mm-hmm. uh, audio files, videos, uh, all across. Um, the way um, our uh, social media has, has uh, emerged um, Clients do need to see uh, how our customers reacting to the newly launched products. So the ability of our enterprise systems to interpre- interpret that world, the spoken world, to understand the emotions of unstructured data, engage with us in those ways, um, with the clients, 
we, they need to understand what the customers really, really want. And that's the huge area of investment in many industries. I've seen that happening. I'm sure my partners here are also seeing that. And not having that ability to interpret that unstructured data with key business actionable outcomes, that also um, leads to the data swamp situation that we've been talking about. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. We do a show called Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, Harpreet, focusing mm-hmm. on marketing opportunities and skills and resources for the small to mid-sized enterprise and even for startups. And we talk about how video is where it's, quote-unquote, where it's at. I know that's not proper English, but how video is so easy and cheap to do and especially personalized video messages for your prospects and for your customers and posting them on social channels. And we don't talk about the searchability of those. We don't talk about the data embedded in those. So I'm, I was very happy to see that you said that because video is coming of age and it certainly is one of the most popular ways to gain the attention of anybody you want to attract on social almost anywhere today. Thank you. Tina Rosario, let's get your thoughts on mm-hmm. what Harpreet just shared with us, please. Yeah, absolutely agree. Video and, and what you shared, Bonnie, that video is, is the way and um, all of the social media data needs to be uh, searchable and customers are expecting companies to know who they are. And that's got to include their preferences, their social uh, media content. Um, It's not just about data that is collected uh, through the interactions with an organization, but it's all the data that's available on a person or on a product that uh, that is going to be relevant um, and is expected to be easily sought after. And that makes up the picture of... Uh, of how to engage in the correct um, consentful way that um, that a person or a product is expected to be engaged. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I I have many many cases of customers who say, um, you know, what am I going to do with all of this social data, and how do I bring that in? Is it into into our data lake? How do I govern it? You know, should it be governed? Can it be governed? Are important questions, um, and how that information is then consolidated into meaningful outcomes within a company is a is a big issue right now. Thank you, Tina. Fiona Critchley, love to get your thoughts. Join us. Hi. Um, I must admit, again, I, I agree with everything my, my two colleagues are saying. I, I think it's the, the ability to ingest and understand both structured and unstructured data. I think there's a couple of interesting things that I've seen. One is the whole discussion around the psychology of, of uh, sentiment analysis on the web. So you think about why people post or why they contribute. Quite often it's either in a moment of anger or it's about mm-hmm. their own brand. So um, the interesting work I've seen is working with uh, philosophy, philosophy and psychologists looking at both under, technically pulling and scraping that sentiment analysis. They're starting to understand the psyche behind those comments and not just understanding them literally. And, and the ability to uh, understand video and voice is becoming more and more important. And I think the thing I've seen most recently that uh, impressed me was the ability to go straight from voice to sentiment analysis without going through Mm -hmm. um, uh, 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 translating it into text, which is the next generation of AI, which is that ability to interact in an unstructured way. Thank you very much. Great topic. Harpreet, I can just give you a couple of seconds to wrap this up. You had some good input from your colleagues on the panel. What do you think? 
Yeah, absolutely. Great inputs from them. And, and I, I think it, it just uh, strengthens the point that this is no more um, the world of structured data queries. It, it, it's more about uh, understanding your customers better. Whosoever in this race understands their customer better with their emotions, with their positive and negative sentiments is going to up their brand and is going to be more up, upwards in the marketing strategies. Um, and I think our clients very well understand that now. Thank you very much. Good topic. And Tina Rosario, we have time for one more. I'm looking at your notes here. And here's something I don't think we've discussed or if we touched on it very briefly needs to be looked at. This is your first statement. You said, with big data comes big responsibilities. Ethics in doing, quote, unquote, what's right with the data is of utmost importance. And you say a chief ethics officer and a well-defined and communicated data ethics policy is a good place to start. We've been talking and talking and talking about data, data lakes, data swamps, data oceans, but we haven't been talking about the, what do you do with it? Who gets to use it? Where is it? We're not even talking about privacy here. We're just talking about the overall ethics. Tina, great topic. I I, uh, wish we had a whole show to talk about this. Go ahead. Why don't you start us off for two minutes, and then we'll run around the table and see what your colleagues have to say. Sure. Yeah, I too as well. I mean, I'm quite passionate about doing the right thing with data. That's why I say with big data comes big responsibility, because companies today now have access to so much information. We talked about structured versus unstructured sentiment. Um, you know, it's, it's perhaps maybe borderline onto where companies can step over the line into creepiness. Um, and I think it's super important for companies to realize that they have a responsibility to do what's right. Um, to do the the ethical and have the responsibilities for how personal data is consumed uh, within their organizations. Um, particularly now, it's becoming more and more regulated, um, and to me, it's it's something that should be very transparent, right? I think that you know it should relate back to corporate values, mm-hmm. and those corporate values need to be very transparent to all of the employees. So they understand how the company values information and what it's intent for. And then that can be very transparent externally as well, that we need to build that trust amongst people and that um, data is a way to share. And we need to understand that there is a relationship there and responsibilities to manage that relationship in the way it was intended and the way it was consented for. And so, for me, the concept of regulatory compliance is an important one, but it's also just doing what's right, doing what's ethical, what's moral, um, and not being afraid to, to, to share that and to, and to be very clear about a position. And I say that, you know, I think every company needs to have a policy on ethical use of data mm-hmm. and that there needs to be accountability, whether it's a chief ethics officer or whoever, but somebody needs to be named, an executive needs to be named, that they are held accountable for ensuring that all the company's processes and practices abide by that policy. Thank you. That's a big, big task. Is there a chief ethics officer position that you know of, Tina? Is, is that something that exists today? Um, there, there is a requirement within GDPR for a data protection and privacy officer to be named. 
an ethics role could be perhaps folded into that responsibility, could also be part of the chief data officer's responsibility. Oftentimes, I find it woven into risk management, um, and it could also be a responsibility outside of the company through legal counsel. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a chief I don't know of many. I do know that more and more companies today are creating ethical policies and procedures and are documenting that. And a few I know of are even sharing that, right? As I said, you have the transparency is a big part of it. Thank you very much. Let's go around the table to Fiona Critchley at Capgemini. Fiona, agree or disagree? Interesting topic. Uh, yeah, incredibly interesting topic. And uh, I think you've got an unfortunate panel today because I think, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree. I think it's absolutely spot on. And, uh, you know, I, I want to engage with organizations that are leading the ethical discussion, not following the legal uh, legislation. I want to feel that they're ahead of the lawmakers in the way in which they choose to use my digital footprint and my information. Um, you know, if you, you look at the way in which we uh, we consume information today, it's in a far more intimate and personal way. You know, as a child, I was looking at a TV in black and white on the other side of the room, and now I'm looking at a screen that's inches from my face sitting on my lap. So mm-hmm. when you interject yourself <laughs> into my life now, you're, it's in a far more intimate way than it ever was before. And yes. I think it does have to be managed with sensitivity. So uh, I think spot on. Thank you very much. Harpreet Singh at Deloitte. Join us. Thoughts, please. Big topic. Yeah, incredibly nice uh, uh, way of uh, putting this. Uh, thank you for that. And and really, I, I agree with the point. Um, I, I think um, security controls having the, the right division of responsibilities to access the data is key. But, but I would add to this is by, by, de- by its definition, a leak a data lake just accepts any data without oversight, without governance. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where I think the core problem is. Without having a descriptive um, metadata or a mechanism to maintain that information, I, I feel the risk um, of data lake turning into swamp is, is very, very eminent. Um, so how would you define security controls or segregation of duties um, amongst those different business roles while accessing the data. If data itself is unmanageable swamp, it's, it's like finding needle in the haystack if you have to get some information. Um, so I, I think the core problem would be first defining your data lake in a right mm-hmm. governed manner and then move on to the ethics um, and the security controls uh, area. Thank you very much. It is time for our predictions round called the crystal ball. And since we don't have time formally for you, Tina Rosario, to wrap up this topic, I'm going to let you go first. So why don't you give us a 60-second prediction, anything you see coming, I like to say, up the pike or down the road or whichever direction you think we're going with this huge topic, unstructured data, the data lake, the data swamp, the data ocean. It might even be a data tsunami, and watch out if you don't know what's coming. So Tina Rosario, 60 seconds, predictions, go. Um, You know, I think about data connectivity, and I feel that more and more devices are connected. It's all starting to come together. And so my prediction is that by 2027, just made that up, um, (laughs) all all new product designs will be connected, that everything will be connected to the cloud, to the Internet, to each other. Um, and then maybe ultimately, like in the connected car, it'll help us uh, improve uh, our safety and maybe one day 
through a connected car, through a connected device, I'll be able to figure out what that uh, check engine light means. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yes, yes, yes. If only. Let's just leave it there. Going around the table to Fiona Critchley at Capgemini. Fiona, love to hear your predictions. And Tina was so concise and so focused that we have a little bit of extra time. I can give you 90 seconds. Woohoo! Fiona, go ahead. Woohoo! I may just talk faster. So look, I, I, <laughs> no, I no, no, it's fine. It used to be. <laughs> go ahead. So, so I live in a building that used to be an accounting firm 10 years ago, and I, and I think this kind of ties together uh, what, what we've been saying on this session. Um, every night I drive home and my iPhone tells me that I'm going to go home and sleep at an accounting firm, and Google Maps congratulates me for parking outside an accounting firm. So um, my prediction is that in 10 years' time I'm still living in the same house, but the data swamp has been drained, and my iPhone actually tells me that I've got home to my address. And it's actually my house, and it's a residential location. <laughs> I have to tell you that I, I'm a sports car driver, and I, because down here, uh, I was on Long Island, Fiona, and you're lucky if you could do 50 or 55 on a good day on the Long Island Expressway here on uh, 540 and 40 and all of the other highways. The posted speed limit is 70, and everybody's trucking up close to 80. So I had to turn in my old sports car and get a newer model. And the built-in GPS mm-hmm. is from the when the car was, it's a 2015. It only had 20,000 miles on it, but it's 2015. This community where I'm living didn't even exist. So I can't even get my GPS. To, it can take me within a couple miles of here, but it can't, so I have to use my iPhone sitting in the little cup holder in the console in order to get around the roads here and know where I'm going. And it's so funny. Do you know that in, in my future prediction, Harpreet, I'll get to you in a second. My prediction is that the car will automatically, once it connects to your phone, automatically update the map and you won't have to pay a vendor three or $400 to update the map on your built-in GPS on the console in the car. That's my prediction that the data will be a little easier to get and you won't have to do that effort to pay that money. But I digress. Harpreet Singh, love to get your prediction and I have 90 seconds for you. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks, Bonnie. You know what, topic of gadgets and I know I'm taking this liberty of distracting, but I think you never know what happens with gadgets every six months. Uh, You buy Mm -hmm. something and you feel like you wasted your money because there's a new model out there which is so much better and so much attractive than what you bought. Um, so, so really, uh, that that is that is definitely in the future. Things are going to change uh, in terms of uh, gadgets storing their own information, their own data, and yes. that being readily available. Uh, I, I'm not going to say on this topic of data swamp that things are going to drastically improve uh, with information around us, with leaps and bounds. But for sure, I feel. Uh, we we do get to talk um, on the same topic, and if we do get to talk on the same topic, I, I feel the fundamental of de- definition of data lake itself would go to a ship. The concept is going to evolve, I, I feel, and the just enough information within that data lake to guide us where the right information is as per our needs is what I, I think the future would store. Machine learning and Internet of Things, I, I, that's definitely going to take a center stage. And, and I think all our day-to-day appliances, whether it's washing machines or cars or all these um, gadgets we've been talking about, they will store the core information and the information is just going to flow from there to our laptops and mobile devices whenever needed. That's what I, I think is going to happen. 
Thank you very much. Yep, thank yeah. you very much. I appreciate it. I want to thank my three panelists, Fiona Critchley at Capgemini, Harpreet Singh at Deloitte, Tina Rosario at SAP, a special shout-out to our good friends, Carla Neal, Helen Thomas, Amanda Bush at Deloitte, and a special shout-out to Cecilia Morton and her colleagues, Ken Marshall, and others on her team at SAP. Really, really good topic this time, Cecilia. This is one of our newest series. We are changing the game with the Intelligent Enterprise Radio. If you want to hear the rest of the family of Game Changer shows, go to the business channel at World Talk Radio. That's voiceamerica.com. Look in the daily schedule. Anything with a little coffee cup with the two steams coming out of it, that is a game changer show and we have 39 series. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Quick shout out to our engineer extraordinaire Aaron at the business channel for getting us on the air and keeping us here. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Fiona Critchley at Capgemini. Just like Harpreet at Deloitte and just like Tina Rosario at SAP. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with the Intelligent Enterprise presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Mondays on the Influencers Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.